Hey everyone, Space Michael here, dropping in to let you know we have a hot new episode to finish off this season of Nerdin' About that's just about done, but in the meantime, we thought we'd put an episode of my other podcast, Let's Innovate, into your feed. I talked to past participants from the BC Science Fair to catch up with them and talk about their journey, inspirations, and innovations, and in this episode, I talked to Rebecca Barron, who's now at UBC, has her own podcast, Women's Health Interrupted, which you should go and subscribe and listen to, as well as Let's Innovate. And then, before you know it, a new episode of Nerdin' About will be in your feed. So, enjoy! Hey everyone, Michael Unger here with another episode of Let's Innovate, a BC Science Fair Foundation podcast where we uncover the passion behind great ideas. And this season, we've been going back to talk to past participants in science fairs to get their perspective on their experience and find out where their passions lie. And today, I'm super honored to be talking with Rebecca Barron, fourth year undergraduate student studying global health and nutrition at the University of British Columbia. Hey, Rebecca, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Michael. Uh, you are also a fellow podcaster. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the uh, podcast you host called Women's Health Interrupted uh, for the Women's Health and Research Cluster. Uh, but before we get to that, let's talk about your science fair experience and what was that was like uh, in your life. Absolutely. So for my science fair experience, um, I started off when I was 14 years old, and I began by looking at ways in which plants could reduce volatiles or toxins from the air. My mom, she suffered a lot from asthma. And for me, it was a really unique experience, um, just learning more about how we could really improve uh, air quality and indoor air quality. So in 2014, my teacher uh, told us that we all had to create a science fair project. I didn't really think much about it at the time. I just wanted to get, you know, good enough mark to do well in the course. But little did I know that that project would go on to the Greater Vancouver Regional Science Fair and then the Canada-wide Science Fair. Um, So, yeah. And then in 2015, I decided to continue with that project. So I looked into some research about why plants were able to reduce these harmful toxins. And I noticed it's the bacteria growing around the roots that makes this Mm. possible. Yeah. So I began to do a bit more research and I found a particular strain of bacteria that was able to reduce volatiles from the air. And in 2015, um, I was so shocked to uh, end up getting the gold medal and the platinum award at the National Science Fair. That was such an incredible opportunity and really began my experience and began my journey into science and academia. So uh, plants, uh, obviously a connection with your mom uh, suffering from asthma. Was that really kind of like your impetus? Like were you already interested in biology and plants or uh, where did that inspiration come from to go in this direction with your project? Yeah, I think it began from reading a book by Suzanne Simard. So she wrote this novel called The Hidden Life of Trees. And Mm, through that novel, yeah, yeah, it it was a really fascinating read because I had never known that trees were able to communicate and talk to each other through their roots. And Mm -hmm. she would jokingly say, it's like the wood wide web. I kind of love that. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to incorporate that into my project. And I did a bit more research into plants and their ability to communicate. And I noticed that one thing that they were able to do was also to improve air quality as well. 
Mm-hmm. And have you um, adapted this into your own life? Are you using now plants now uh, in your home and uh, maybe in your mom's home to help her um, air quality issues? Absolutely. After I did that science fair project, we probably went out to the store to buy like 10 extra plants to add to our room. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. I'm going to put that on my uh, errand list for me as well. I think I need to add some more plants uh, to my home as well. Uh, Well, Rebecca, you also, you know, took that experience uh, with science fairs and getting some accomplishments, but you also pivoted into an area of female representation and you decided to get up on the stage at a TEDx event and gave a really amazing talk that we're going to link to in the show notes that everyone should watch uh, about encouraging female representation. Uh, Tell us how you got into that and why you wanted to do that. Yeah, that's a great question. At the age of 16, I had just decided, you know what, I want to take this research and share it with a wider audience. So I was looking into ways to begin dipping my toes into public advocacy and speaking out to um, just like the scientific community in general. So I thought Mm -hmm. doing a TEDx talk would be one of like the coolest ways to really begin (laughs) that process. Little did I know how much effort and time goes into it, but it was very eye-opening. And since then, I've really, I've fallen in love with advocacy and advocating for um, increased female representation in academia. And the reason why I decided to speak about that topic and about that issue was because I remember in 2015, I was standing on the stage receiving my platinum and gold award, and I was looking out at all the participants in the room. And I noticed that the number of uh, male participants, so the number of boys who were there, kind of outweighed the number of girls. And I Mm. began thinking to myself, like, why is that the case? Why are there a few more boys to girls? Um, Why is that ratio skewed? So I did a bit more research and I noticed that, yeah, it is an issue. This is a topic um, that needs to be addressed. And ensuring that girls have like better representation in science and academia is a really important um, thing to look at. So I decided to take to take my own thoughts and my own personal experiences encountering um, gender bias and, you know, just like stereotypes in um, the scientific field. So then I took that onto the onto the international stage, which I thought was really cool. Interesting. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious because you were quite young when you decided to get up on that TEDx stage, which I commend you for. It's quite brave um, to do that. It's a, it's a big opportunity, but plus also it lives on the internet forever. And I think it's a really wonderful platform to kind of like, here's your thesis statement at such an early age that will then uh, feed into the work that you're now doing now. Could you maybe talk about, you know, for anyone at that age, like what that did for you uh, at that time in your life uh, to maybe give you some confidence or maybe to establish um, those stories, those themes that would be in your life? Yeah, I I remember at the age of 16, that was definitely my first large uh, public speaking uh, event or like engagement. And I remember my hands were shaking so bad before going onto the stage that when we had to hook the mics up into like our clothes, I just remember the mic falling onto the floor and it being a little Mm. bit of a mess there. But you do have to realize that even if you are, um, if you are a teenager or you're someone who's younger and might not feel like you don't have that experience, it's important to realize that you have to start somewhere. 
you always have to begin at a starting line. It doesn't matter when in life that will be. You do have to start at some point. So take that leap of faith and trust that your own skills and aptitude will be able to at least get you into a really great position where you can share your message or whatever you feel passionate with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've taken you know this theme of female representation. You've now uh, moved into UBC, where you're still going to school there, but now you host this really amazing podcast for the UBC Women's Health um, Initiative called Women's Health Interrupted. Um, tell us about how that came about and how that has sort of like shifted your focus a bit. Yeah, so for the podcasting realm, I only first began to dabble in it um, at the start of COVID when a lot of a lot everything was pretty much online. So myself and my really good friend, her name's Bonnie Yu, we began this podcast mm-hmm. called Back of a Napkin. And that's where I kind of <laughs> began <laughs> was with Back of a Napkin. Um, and it was more of like an excuse to reach out to professionals in the field and speak to researchers who we thought were really interesting. I had really great stories to tell. But we we wanted an in. So that was kind of our in to to reach out to them. Um, and from there, I realized how how much fun it was to conduct interviews and to speak to in, individuals who had like really unique stories. So I reached out to UBC's Women's Health Research Cluster, and they were beginning their podcast called Women's Health Interrupted. So I co-hosted that for the past year with um, another UBC student, and together we were able to uh, learn a bit more about why women were not being um, adequately represented in like the field of science. So we were we were speaking to different uh, researchers, learning a bit more about like themes of like intimate partner violence. Like that was a really interesting episode that I really loved. And um, ways in which we can improve these conversations and ensure that there was more research being done on women's health. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a connection with, you know, science fairs and when you're working on a project and you're working with other people's research and how now you're going out and you're reading other people's research to bring into your podcast and disseminating that research and then communicating it back through your podcast. Um Tell us about how that work has um, gone for you. Yeah, so Science Fair definitely taught me about the process of creating a research topic or research question, creating a hypothesis, and then backing that up with um, more evidence. Um, so I think that really gave me the insights into other other literature and other research that is out there. Um, I now have a better understanding, I think, of the research process, so that definitely helped and. I think those tools and those skills are really important to have even further into your career. You always need to learn. You always have to know how to effectively write and communicate your thoughts and ideas with other researchers in the field. So for me, just having that background experience with Science Fair really helped to advance that understanding, that knowledge. Yeah, that's really amazing. And you know, you know, 
I was here watching your your TED talk and about female representation. You know, I'm a male and I'm listening to your podcast about women's health. And I'm realizing that these aren't just female or women issues. These are human issues that males can play a very active role and a very big role and be curious about learning about. So, you know, I'm wondering what are some of those things that males can do in this field to uh, help better understand female representation in science and also women's health issues? Yes, that's so true, Michael. Um, Anyone could really help out with these issues and these topics. And for myself, I have two younger brothers. So Mm -hmm. in our household, this is always a topic of conversation. How can we get more male representation um, in these fields? Um, And not male representation, but I mean like male engagement with these topics. Yeah. Um, So I believe that it's really about ensuring that young women around you feel inspired, they feel safe, and they feel like they can share their stories. I was Mm -hmm. extremely fortunate because my family is very supportive of my academic endeavors. And even as a student going through science fair, they were the ones who are always cheering from the sidelines and, you know, being there to support me whenever I needed it. Um, So just being able to have someone in that capacity and in that role really can help further your own research and further your own your own projects. So for young women, it's really important that they do have those um, support networks available and at their disposal. Absolutely. I mean, I think even in my own life, you know, I have a sister that uh, grew up and she was, you know, certainly broke the norms of what a traditional girl might do. She was the skateboarder. She was the the snowboarder, way more physically active than I was. But, you know, these... Um, you know, these females are very, very close and in my life. And I think being curious as a male about what issues they're going uh, through um, are important for, I think, for males to understand because quite often they're not the conversations that are being happening. So I think that's really what it, where it needs to be framed around is that this is, you know, us working together for the betterment of, of everyone and also males as well, you know, because these are the people that are also supporting us, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 50% of the population. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> when you take out 50%, like, what are you left with, I guess? So it's a yeah. really important uh, issue. And I, I feel like we're heading in the right direction now. Um, but, you know, it's a constant topic of conversation and something that we continue to have to talk about and to keep at the front of our minds. Absolutely. So everyone out there, go watch uh, the TED Talk by Rebecca Barron, as well as the podcast uh, that you host. Uh, But I think we're about ready for some rapid fire questions. Are you ready, Rebecca? Shoot away. All right, Rebecca, I've tailored one just for you for our first rapid fire. And that is, if you could interview anyone for your podcast, who would it be? If I could interview anyone, it would probably be Anne Makazinski. She was one of, yeah, she was one of the first science fair um, alumni that I learned about through the Google Science Fair. Mm. So she had created this project called the Hollow Flashlight, where you wrap, like you hold a flashlight and through the energy and the heat from your hands, it lights up and you can use that in the dark. And I thought, how cool is that? Like, (laughs) how did she think of such an interesting topic? (laughs) I mean, that'd be so useful for me. Anyways, she really inspired me. And I think if I could interview her and have her on the podcast, that would be such a cool experience. 
Awesome. Yeah, Anne is really cool. Uh, everyone should go check out her on her social media and, and look at um, all the work that she is doing. And Anne, if you're listening, get on to Rebecca's podcast. Uh, next question for you, Rebecca. Uh, if Is there a piece of media, like a book, movie, or video game that's had the most influence on you? Yeah, I, I think the book Woman on the Ballot, written by Betsy McGregor, is one of the the first uh, pieces of writing that I really connected with. So a lot of it had to talk about female representation and getting more women engaged in politics. For myself, I'm someone who has been very inclined towards more of like the scientific academic route. Um, And I didn't really think how policymakers and individuals in government can really shape and change the landscape of academia. But after reading her book, Mm -hmm. it really inspired me to think more about the broader picture and ways in which we can enact change through um, through like more of a government perspective. So that was really interesting. And I would highly recommend if anyone is fascinated by those topics. Excellent. Well, I'll put that into the show notes as well for people to look up. Uh, Last and final question for you, Rebecca. Do you have any advice for future science fair participants? Be inspired. That is my advice. (laughs) (laughs) Be inspired. Um, Yeah, because for myself, um, if you aren't passionate and in love with your project, the judges won't be able to see that or tell. So you have to show how, how much you are inspired by the research that you're doing by the work that's being done. And obviously it's, it's creating some sort of change or ripple effect in in academia. So I would highly recommend just being inspired by your own project and sharing that passion with other people as well. Awesome. Well, hopefully everyone listening to you here in this podcast are inspired uh, to not only learn more about you and all of uh, the work that you do, uh, but in their own projects as well, if you are. And if you are in science fairs right now, gearing up to the end of the science fair season, you can learn more on our website, all of the resources we have there to help you on social media at Youth Innovation Showcase, which is also starting up Youth Innovation on Twitter. We have uh, monthly workshops that we're doing. You can check us out there as well as we have our fundraiser, our big sweating for science. So if you're one to uh, get out there and exercise and raise some money for science fairs, you can get a team and get out there. I'm going to be doing some running uh, as we get into some warmer weather. And if you'd like to follow what I'm uh, up to uh, here at that Space Center where I work, uh, Michael John Unger on Instagram, Michael J. Unger on Twitter. All right, folks, that's it for this episode. Until next time, let's innovate. 